Okay, people, it's Thursday, which means you get ready for the echo chamber, baby. And as we do every week, we start with the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. So, it's a little bit of a slightly different chart this week, but we still have a lot of those... um, those films have been lingering around the past few months. So at number 10 this week is Takawatiti's Jojo Rabbit. So um yeah, this was a it's a fun film. You know what I mean? Especially when you think about one of the main characters is Hitler, right? So uh you know, stars Takawatiti, Scarlett Johansson. Roman Griffin Davis and Sam Rockwell. At number nine, we've got Todd Phillips' The Joker, which has to be one of DC's best films in the, uh, you know what I mean, their, their comic book adaptations. So it starred Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Francis Corney, and Zazie Beats. With a host of good stand-ups making little cameos as well, right? At number eight, we got Bad Boys for Life. So this was from Balau Falaf and Adil El Arbi, starring Will Smith, Martin Lawrence. We had Vanessa Hodgins and Alexander Ludwig. So at number seven. It's Jack Castan's Jumanji The Next Level. So, this one, we got Karen Gillian, we got Dwayne The Rock Johnson, we got Jack Black, we got Danny DeVito, and we got Lil Kevin Hart. <laughs> At number six, people, we've got John Watts's Spider Man Far From Home. Oh, Great films, right? You gotta say, John Watts has really killed it with this franchise, brought it back to life, and really set a standard. So, Tom Holland is our new Peter Parker Spider Man. We've got Zeandra as MJ. We've got Jake Gyllenhaal as a baddie. This was a fun film, people. So, we are now in the top five. And at number five, we've got Robert Zemeckis' recent adaptation of Ronald Dahl's The Witches. There was controversy, but, you know, these things happen. So it starred Anna Hathaway, Octavia Spencer. We had Christina um, Chendworth and Yazia Bruno. At number four, 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 we've got The Greatest Showman. So this was from Michael Gracie. It starred Hugh Jackman. Uh, we had Zac Efron. We had Keela Seidel and another Zeandra film. So at number three, still in that top ten, it's Christopher Nolan's Tenant. So... Elizabeth Debicki, 
Kenneth Branagh, Robert Patterson and John David Washington. God damn it, I really enjoyed that film. So at number two, 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 it's Dean Parrott's Bill and Ted Face the Music. So we had our stalwarts, our wild stallions, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter along with um, their daughters. So we had a Bridget Lundy and Samara Weavick. So at number one, it's Josh Boone's The New Mutants, Anna Taylor Johnson, Maisie Williams, Blue Hunt, and Charlie Heaton. So, people, that's our top 10. Before we get into this week's films, let's do a little bit of info, right? A little bit of info for you. Let's go. Let's go, people. Sail! Well, horror fans, February might be the shortest month, but shudder, yes. The, um, you know, the uh, streaming platform that you need if you are a very keen horror fanatic. Well, yeah, they'll be releasing a new, that's right, people, a new original exclusive film every week of the month. Yes, that is correct. Um, There will also be a new Last Drive-In Valentine's special, the um, episode drop of A Discovery of Witches, is continuing throughout the month um and there will also be the original the queen of black magic yes that is correct because well shudders kind of a reboot of the film is dropping at the end of january so yeah you can if you watch that and think oh it's great or meh not yeah i preferred the original well in february you can watch the original. Also, Vampire's Kiss, right? The um, classic Nick Cage film. Uh, then you've got some 70s cult classic films such as Audrey Rose, Psychomania, and The Ninth Configuration. Yeah, so um, some of the big premieres will be A Nightmare Wakes. Right, so this is, um, well, the gist is, while composing his famous novel, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley descends into an opium-fueled fever dream while carrying on a torrid love affair with Percy Shelley. As she writes, the characters of her novel come to life and begin to plague her relationship with Percy. Before long, she must choose between true love and her literary masterpiece. An unsettling, intimate portrayal of a brilliant artist at her most troubled. A nightmare wakes, traces the tortured birth of a timeless masterwork and the rightful assertion 
of its creator to stand alongside her creation. So it stars Alex Wilton Regan, Gulon Yayo Gulorisha, Philippe um, Bowagon, um, and Lee Garrett. Okay, it's directed by Nora Uncle. Yeah, cool. And this will be dropping on the 4th of February. There is also After Midnight. Okay, so um, this is from director Jeremy Gardner um, and Christian Stella. And um, the film is about this. Ten years into his small town storybook romance with Abby, Hank suddenly wakes up to an empty home with nothing but a cryptic note to explain why she left. Hank's charmed life begins to fall apart. To make matters worse, Appy's disappearance seems to trigger the arrival of a ferocious creature that crawls out of the old grove on the edge of his property. And uh, this, it hits on the 11th. Uh, so we then have Shook, which is, um, yeah, this is from Jennifer... Harrington. Uh, so, when Mia, a social media star, becomes the target of an online terror campaign, she has to solve a series of tests to prevent people she cares about from getting murdered. But is it real, or is it just a game at her expense? The film stars Daisy Tutor, Emily Goss, Nicola Pusner. Um, Octavius J. Johnson, Stephanie Simbari, and Grant Rossmeyer. And uh, you can see this on the 18th of February. We then have The Dark and the Wicked. So, on a secluded farm, a man is bedridden and fighting through his final breaths while his wife slowly succumbs to overwhelming grief. Siblings Louise and Michael return home to help, but it doesn't take long for them to see that something's wrong with mum, something more than her heavy sorrow. Gradually, they begin to suffer a darkness similar to their mother's, marked by waking nightmares and a growing sense that an evil entity is taking over their family. It's directed by Brian Bertino, um, and you'll be able to watch that on the 25th. So, um, yeah, people, if you don't already have Shudder, what the hell are you doing? All right, so um, go pick it up. And you get the opportunity to watch all of these, plus a wealth of other horror classics. Horror fans, oh, mark this date, because 
um, the final girls Berlin Film Festival, Berlin's premier showcase of horror films directed and produced by women and non-binary filmmakers will return in the new year for the sixth time and first virtual edition. The fest will run from February the 4th to the 7th and include features, short blocks and an impressive slate of talks and special offerings. Feature films will be geo-locked to Germany while several short blocks and all non-film programming will be viewable worldwide. This will be followed by a planned second in-person event to take place over Halloween weekend, October the 29th to the 31st at City Kino Wedding in Berlin. Like many festivals confronting COVID-19, we thought long and hard about how to make our festival as safe and enjoyable as possible and decided to split our SIPF edition, explains festival co-director Ellie Liu. The February programme includes a number of films about loneliness, technological reliance and conformant that reflect our present-day reality in chilling ways. Co-director Sarah Needoff sees the current pandemic as a chance to connect across geographical distance and goes on to say... We've got a thrilling side programme with workshops and talks from horror scholars, oh, horror scholars that we're extremely honoured to have with us. These times are grim, but they bring an opportunity to virtually connect with an international feminist horror community that otherwise couldn't normally make it to Berlin. So we hope more and more folks will emerge from the woodwork and come join us. So, people, mark those dates. And, um, hey, if you're in Berlin, you are definitely in for a spooky treat. Okay, people, so now we've got that out of the way, let's get into this week's films. Sit down, let's get this popping. So, when the pandemic hit, right, and you saw everything shut down. You know, films, TV, all productions stopped. And then I remember hearing about a film that was still shooting. Film that was still shooting. But they were getting into a lot of trouble. Because supposedly there was a thing with, um, you know, the union of screenwriters and workers working that weren't in the union and it was all this whole thing and Michael Bay was determined to still get this film done and then they worked it all out. They worked it all out and the film got finished. Well, just so happens that film has now hit Amazon Prime. It's called Songbird. So, it is um, directed 
and co-written by Adam Mason. Simon Boys co-wrote it with Mason. And um, the film is produced by Michael Bay, um, Marcy A. Brown, Jason Clark, Jeanette Voltormo, Adam Goodman, Andrew Sugarman, and Eben Davidson. Right, so music is from Lorne Balf, cinematography Jacques Dufret. Yeah, it's not a long film, people. You know, it's not a long film. Now, the cast, there are some, because I remember when watching the piece, right, I was seeing this one character, Pippa, Pippa Griffin, and I'm thinking to myself, I know that woman. Who the hell is that woman? And I couldn't put my finger on it. It's Demi Bloody Moore. That's why I recognised her. So, yes, we've got Demi Moore as Pippa Griffin, and we've got... um. Bradley uh, Whitford as William Griffin, her husband. And I have to say, uh, Whitford, he's really got into shape because I swear the last time I saw him, he was like really big in this one film, which I cannot remember for the life of me what it was. But yeah, I have to say, yeah. Um, uh, now, they've got a daughter called Emma, and she is played by Leah McHugh. Um, but, right, the, the, the main characters in this piece is Nico Price. I know it's a bad name, right? Nico Price, it sounds like the toy firm. But, uh, yeah, Nico is played by KJ Aper. And, um, his love interest in the piece is Sarah Garcia, who is played by Sophia Carson. Um, now, Nico, his boss, is played by Craig Robinson, and the boss's name is Lester, right? Lester has an employee who helps him keep track of his workers called Michael Dozer, and Dozer is played by Paul Waterhauser. We've also got um, Lita, who is Sarah's grandmother, and uh, she is played by Elpida Carrillo. Um, the Griffins have got a maid called Alice, who's played by Nicole Brianna White. And then there's another in love interest called May, who is played by Alexandra Dadario. So, um... Yes, the gist of the film is this, okay? Four years into quarantine, the virus has changed, and so have we. In this terrifying thriller, Songbird, the COVID-23 virus has mutated, and the world is in its fourth year of lockdown. Infected Americans are ripped from their homes and forced into quarantine camps known as Q-Zones, from which there is no escape, as a few brave souls fight back against the forces of oppression. 
amid this dystopian landscape, a fearless courier named Nico, who's immune to the deadly pathogens, finds hope and love with Sarah. Though her lockdown prohibits them from physical contact, no! When Sarah is believed to have become infected, Nico races desperately across the barren streets of Los Angeles in search of the only thing that can save her from imprisonment or worse. Oh. Now, a wealthy couple may hold the key to Nico's mission. Yes, in Indeed. Now, that's not all people, because this story also, you know, has a singer enmeshed in a messy and forbidden affair. A disabled veteran whose best friend, a drone named Max, you know, who is his eyes and ears to a world that has left him behind. <laughs> and the corrupt head of the city's sanitation department, you know, which is the evil rat catcher of the peace, who sweeps in, seizing those infected, and transports them to the Q-Zones. <laughs> yes, people, that, that is Songbird. Dum, dum, dum. Now, it's a, it's a funny one, right? So, basically, the, the whole thing about this film, right? So, we're told that in March, Adam Mason received a phone call from his friend, Simon Boyes, who had an idea for a film based on the COVID-19 pandemic. Ho, 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 yes. Now, the pair spent the following weekend plotting out the film and pitching the idea to the, to the producer, Adam Goodman. Oh, yes. Then, you know, in May, Michael Bay and his peoples came on board and Songbird... You know, songbird blossomed, right? And here's the thing, right? So we're told that, you know, they had this great original idea for a film. And to be honest, right, I don't know what that was. Don't know what that was. Because there aren't a lot, really, of original ideas here. Now, a lot of people I have seen are just really irritated by this film. You know, because they're like, you can't tell a film of um, using a current or a, a, you know, a really recent, you know, catastrophe, which I don't agree, right? I have no issue with people, you know, taking something that has just happened and using it as a vehicle to create, 
right? Because, you know, I, I feel we, we take tragedy and flip it around, right? You flip it around, give it a new spin, which then helps a lot of people, right? Now, my only thing is just make it good, right? Just make it good. And, yeah, I, I think a big issue is, right, you get certain things and people want to throw in all the current buzzwords, right? So, you found it with, um, you know, Alex Booker's death to 20, you know, death of 2020, right? And it's the same with this. They want to throw in all those just irritating, stupid buzzwords that everyone keeps on using. So straight away in the film, you hear fake news. And it's just like, oh, God damn it. Can we not? Right? Can we not? Because I don't know if people even really... Trump wasn't even the first person to use the term fake news. Right? And let's just remember, there is a lot of fake news. <laughs> you know I mean? It's the news we actually watch because it is never really the actual things. Now, it's they take a some of the actual, you know, content, but they, then they twist it to shape the narrative they want to tell. So fake news is a thing. Right? Like you know, people just don't want to believe it, right, but, you know, it's the term, the term is just irritating, you know, it's irritating, but, and that's used, then they make a reference to social distancing, and it's just like, you know, they take these terms, and they throw it in, and think, oh, look at us, look at us, yes, we're nailing it, and, and it's just like, oh, Come on, we need some originality here, right? If you wanted to tell this interesting love story, cool, I'm down with it. But tell that story. And it seemed that, I mean, it took a while for anything to really coalesce into a cohesive narrative for this. You know, we just had a lot of things happening, like they showed Nico riding around the place. You know, I think they wanted to kind of just show us all of these techniques that they're using. So you can see, right, they've utilized a lot of drone camera work, which, you know, boom, great. I think drone cameras, they seem to be able to give us these new interesting shots. You know, boom, don't mind it, right? But your film needs to be more than just, you know, these new techniques, right? So, yeah, we've got these characters riding around, and it's weird, right? Because I think there's a lot of things that we know about like the pandemic and everything that's going on but the film acts like you know things are completely different 
right? So it's just like, oh, you can get COVID from just the air, which, I mean, that got debunked ages ago. You know what I mean? But yeah, they're, they're, they're telling, they're kind of giving you all of these kind of horror stories, which just make no sense, right? Make no sense. Because they're saying, oh, and these couriers are so brave because they're traveling around and, you know, they're caked in COVID. And that means they can't touch anyone. And so they have to, you know, but all we see is then he, he goes home and showers. And that's it. And it's just like, well, that's like, where's the, the craziness? Because that's just a normal shower. Right, you're not showing us, and especially because now, you know, so when packages are delivered, yeah, the the post, the letterboxy thing, is a, um, you know, a contamination center, right? It it tests each product to make sure that there's nothing on it and it you know shoots it with stuff to sterilize it so all of this right so if a package has to go through that but then these people are just you know just a normal shower it's a bit like well that doesn't kind of add up right and there's a lot in the story that doesn't add up now we are you know we're, we're told that you know, Nico and Sarah are in love. Nico and Sarah are in love. We don't know a time frame, right? So this whole thing, we don't actually know this time frame on how long they've, you know, supposedly been in this thing. But they're desperately in love. But every conversation, you just don't feel it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's a big, like, I think something that really throws you out of a film is, is the relationships. And when you're being trying to be sold that, you know, these people are really close or these people are in love and these people are this. And then the, there's no chemistry with the actors. Just no chemistry. You know, they, they don't sell you on the love or the hatred or the whatever. It just doesn't come across. And this doesn't come across. Now, the, the, the you know, the, uh, I used to say hatred, but it's not quite hatred. It's just this apathy between, you know, the Pipers, right, you, not the Pipers, even, the, um, oh, God, what's it, those people, what are they called, God damn it, it's just like, ugh, that's, um, gosh, the Griffins, now you get that, like, William and Pipe, you, you get that, that they're a bit cold to each other, you know, that, that's believable, but this love, that's not believable. It's not. Right? And then the other relationships that were told are blossoming. Like um, Dozer and May. That's just 
this weird thing that just happens there's look we understand interactions online and the way that whole thing happened was just weird right it's just weird and then I think kind of feel if you kill someone it's a bit of a red flag and you don't know the person right you don't know someone but you you then be like oh i'll kill for you that shows how much i care like no that tells me that you might be weird <laughs> because you don't know me why would you do something like that and you don't know me you know what i mean it would give you pause right but we have all of these weird things that are taking place and the film is just very disjointed right very disjointed you you have all of these things take suddenly happening right suddenly happening even though right i think when you've got this young girl living with her grand grandmother i think you kind of feel that okay i think someone's gonna get ill <laughs> you know what I mean? it is it, pretty much there right there should be a sign going, this person, this person, this person. Right, so there is that. And, oh dear, oh dear. I don't know, people. Right? Look, you can see they tried. And some of the performances are good. You know, it, it's just... It doesn't just... It just doesn't feel... There's no real feeling or emotion here. We're getting this music playing behind the scenes to try and tell you, oh, this is this. This is a this is a sad moment. This is a tense moment. You know, they really lean heavily on that. And, you know, I always hate that. It because it's so lazy, right? Because they've kind of like uh, well, we don't feel the writing or the acting is enough. So we need to give the audience, the viewer, something to let them know what's meant to be happening. And the music is then ramped up to a level where you're just like, why is it that loud? What's happening here? And it's very repetitive and boring and just like, ah. You get the feeling that they just really wanted to get this film out first. They wanted to be the first, you know? And it meant that all the kinks aren't ironed out, right? Not ironed out. There's a, there's a moment in the film, right, where someone is, you know, someone says to another one of the characters, you were around a sick person for ages. Now, technically you'd be ill. So that means you're a mutant. You're immune. And it's just like, what we know about this, that is not the case at all. <laughs> it's like, what? That's not the case. How many times do you, have you heard of people that were with people that got ill? But they didn't, right? They didn't for some reason. But then, down the line, they might get ill, right? It's just one of those weird things, right? We don't all get ill at the same time, 
But yeah, this film is like, oh, this person's immune and it means you're immune. And it's just like, oh, come on. Come on. And the end. Well, not quite the end, but right, right there's a point right near the end. And, you know, the, all the stuff has got sorted out and it's just like, yay. But, I mean, with that, firstly, wouldn't you be like, I didn't understand how no one was like, that wasn't there. That wasn't there when we picked that person up. Like, no one's saying that. Then, right, you, you do the deed. So it's like, we need to leave. Let's go. But then you have these two characters standing there for ages, staring at each other, which is so goddamn bait. It's so bait. Like, you kind of want to go, hold on a second. Why are these motherfuckers standing like this? They're acting like they never met before. Hmm. I smell a fish. I smell a motherfucking fish up in here. Right? That's what you would do in that situation. It's ridiculous. But I am a curmudgeon. I am. Right? And although, yeah, you can win me over with a love story, that love story needs to be good. Otherwise, I ain't down. But my standards are kind of all over the place, right? So, you know, I am sure there's going to be people that enjoy this. Right? There's going to be people that enjoy a kooky-ass story. And that's, yeah, all power to you, people. All power to you. Now, I might say, if you enjoyed stuff like, ooh, um, Doomsday, yeah. I think Doomsday is a um a good example because that was a film that had promise but it was a bit kooky, right? So you've got that and then just all of these other you know crazy quarantine type films that are floating around. If you enjoy those, then you know, I think this this would be for you, you know what I mean, if you're down with, um, oh, I don't know, people, just, anything, like, I don't know, contagion, like, you know what I mean, because it's not great, but it's okay, Actually, or is Contagion a good one? There was those two that came out at the same time. And one was okay, and the other one was just a little bit... This is that one. This is the one that was a little bit... So, I'd say, if you like that, then, yeah, you'll enjoy this. You know what I mean? You can get on board with this one. Um, You know, like, if you just want something that you don't have to think about, and you can just throw on in the background. I think this is one of those films, people. You know? But, yeah. It's um, it's on Amazon Prime. 
right? So if you've got a Prime account, you can watch it. If you don't, you can rent it. But, um, yeah, if you want to know what the pandemic might look like in 2024, then um, probably don't watch this because this is not what it's going to be like at all. And I will say, right, the whole Q zones, ripping people out, that's just what happened in Wuhan. That's exact. That's what happened in Wuhan, right? That's all they did. They took all the shit that we saw. This we saw it. There's footage. They just took all of that <laughs> and then tried to go. Oh man, imagine in a world if that happened. Well, we've seen it. It did. Okay, it did. But yeah, Songbird people. Hmm, it's out there. So, um, maybe you'll enjoy it. So, in looking for something else to watch, man, I've got a few things in my, <laughs> you know what I mean, in my Prime list, in my Netflix list. There's, there's a few films, right? And it's all based on mood and everything like that. I really wanted something actiony, right? I, I was looking for something hard hitting, and um, yeah, well, this film has been floating in my list, but I think I had a little bit of a maybe a wrong perception of what it might be. Which, to be honest, when I started it, I did think, ah, god damn it, but. Yes. Now, this film, the film in question is La Belva, right? Otherwise known as The Beast. So, it's an Italian action thriller, right? So, um, it's directed by Ludovic, Ludovicio Di Martino. Yeah. So, he... Um, yeah, he directed the film, and, um, yeah, it's, I did enjoy it, people, I did enjoy it, right, it's got a, um, I mean, to be honest, I don't know any of the people involved, yeah, don't know any of the people involved, but I'd say that they, you know, handled this pretty well, Right, so um, Di Martino, and he's in, he was involved with the screenplay, along with um, Claudia De Angelis. Right, so um, yeah, and I think we've also got Nicola Rivera, um, and. Andrea Paris. So I believe, yeah, they all helped out with the story and the screenplay and the scenario, right? Um, now, cast wise, yeah, cast wise, bear with me with the names, right? So our lead character is um, Leonida Riva, right? Played by Fabrizio. Gifuni, um, 
Then we've got his um, ex-wife, Angela, Monica Pisudo. Um, he's got two kids, a son, Mattia, who's played by Emmanuel Linfati, and a daughter, Teresa, who is played by Giada Gagliardia. Yeah, I'm going to butcher these names. Apologies, people. So, um, yeah, that's the, um, that's the family unit. Um, oosh. Now, um, trying to think of, right, because we've got a, um, a detective. I think it's Simonetti, who's played by, um, Lino Musella, right, um, our main villain, right, our main villain is, um, Mozart, right, and that's played by Andrea Penachia, right, um, there's a dude called Ivan, who's played by Andre Nova, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's other people involved, people, but the, the cast is good, I think the cast is good, now, the gist of the film, well, that is, um, that is this, I would say, right, uh, so, basically, right, um, Leonida Riva is a gloomy, solitary war veteran. Once captain of the army's special forces, life and work have driven Riva apart from his family. His eldest son, Mattia, has never forgiven him, while his daughter, Teresa, loves him unconditionally. However, a tragic event will force Leonida to transform into something he thought he had long buried in the past. Yeah. Now, I, I, you kind of see when people are talking about this online, they equate it to Taken. And no, I, I really wouldn't equate this to Taken, right? And also, there are many other films that came before Taken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Taken is not a good representation of that genre, I would say. But, it's got Liam Neeson in it. So I feel everyone just jumps on, on that as the, you know, the epitome of. And I would, I'd say it isn't. Right, now, the film... It starts in a few ways, which I would say make you wonder, right? And you can kind of think that, oh, is it going to be, you know, this type of film, right? So we see, um, you know, we see Reva, um, so he, he goes to a... Uh, his therapist, right, we see him with his therapist, and, you know, he, like, he, he's talking, and he's like, um, 
look, I, I can I get some more tablets? You know, this stuff is happening. Like, we also see him kind of experiencing kind of these moments that kind of freeze him up. We don't necessarily know what's going on, but, you know, I feel the camera work and everything, it does give us that understanding that, yo, yeah, some heavy shit is happening to him at this moment. We also see him at a sports game, right? So he goes to see his daughter play rugby. Um, Now, I, I will say that, like, that part, uh, I did think, oh, is this going to be this cliché? Thing, right, because the daughter's playing rugby now. It is odd because yeah, she's not necessarily. I I kind of wonder because no one's really tackling her. Like she gets tackled, and yeah, her brother's like ah, come on. But yeah, they they you know it's yeah, it's, it's not quite touch rugby, and it's not quite full on contact. It would seem, but you know. We what we get from it is that yeah she she loves her dad, like he's standing to the side watching, and she you can see that she wants him to be proud of her, right? And then you also get the sense that the son, and at the beginning you don't know it's his son, right? But you know that yeah there's something there, right? You know that he's just not. He doesn't really give a damn, right? Um, because they have, there's this confrontation between the two of them, and he, he, the son just wants to get away. And then he talks to, you know, his ex, and she's like, oh, do you still want to have them? And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll take them, I'll take them. But you can see there's that hesitance there. And what we learn is, because of the PTSD, Right, and he's still experiencing a lot of shock and symptoms. And I think he doesn't want to be this burden, right? He doesn't want to be a burden, and his son has struggled with that, right? His son has definitely struggled with this whole situation. So, when, you know, because the son, he's meant to drive... He's, you know, his little sister to his dad's for dinner, for the meal. Yeah, his son isn't down with that. So instead, they go for burgers. Now, the daughter, she wants to go. She's not happy that they're at this burger place instead. Uh, But you can see that, you know, the son has also arranged to see his friends there as well. So, right, they order the food. His friends turn up, and he's like, hey, you you chill here for five minutes. I'm going to go have a smoke, talk to my peoples. While all of this is going on, though, something bad happens. Something bad. Now, we there is a, a moment at the rugby game right, where someone says something to the girl. Now, we don't see this person, but yeah. Something said, right? And you don't know if that's connected to this incident. I mean, you get the feeling that it probably is, right? And so, um, yeah, you just hear screams. Then suddenly he rushes 
back to the front and you see the employees there and they're just like, oh, yeah, we just heard screaming and we came. Now, where the, his, daughter, his sister was, she's not there. Like, there's, it's a bit of a mess, food's everywhere. It's, it, you know, the, the, the camera work has been slowed down. Everything's been slowed down, right? So, um, he, he does what he can, like, the only thing he can do, he calls his dad, he calls his dad. So, uh, you know, his dad comes, then the police come. And, uh, you know, they get a, on the radio, on the police radio, everyone can hear that something's going down, right? They've spotted a, a, a Range Rover and, um, you know, they're trying to stop it, but it's not stopping. So obviously, right, Reaver's thinking that must be involved, right? That must be involved. And also the, the, the burger people said there was a Range Rover that drove away, right? So, um, you know, the police... I think they don't seem to be acting fast enough. So Reaver grabs a car and yeah, he's he's looking to get you know get get to uh this Range Rover. Uh and in the process <laughs> uh you know shit goes down, right? Shit goes down. So he's tr trying to find this Range Rover, he finds it. And that's when the story really kicks in. Really kicks in. And I think it shifts gear, right? Because I think what we see up to this point, it's a little generic, it's a little cliche, but I really feel it gets started once Reva heads on the search, right? And, um, yeah, so he finds the Range Rover, right? So then he's in the chase, and it's getting crazy. And I will say, right, that where some, I feel, yeah, I feel a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, it's like Taken and everything like that. And some people are like, he's an army person, so why... You know, why is he entering situations in this manner? And why is he doing certain things? But I kind of felt it made sense, right? I did feel that the story does make sense because they've stolen his daughter, right? Not only does he have PTSD, but they've stolen his daughter, and look, he doesn't have a great relationship with his, you know, his, his son and his wife. But there is this thing built into him that, yo, there's lines you do not cross, right? And if he can do anything, he can do this. So we see him set out to try and find what's happened to his kid and there's definitely some you know some ups and downs right there's runnings with the police and then there's assumptions that get made right and 
I think this is one of those things that it's a bit like, eh, you know, we've seen it in films, right? Police then think it's you rather than and all of that kind of stuff. You, But you can understand a bit why, right? You can understand a bit why. Now, I, I, I would kind of say that I'm surprised the police didn't kind of put some people on him and some people on the thing but to be honest we've seen those cases you know play out in the news you know and once people go missing they're not always found you know we were always that's what one thing you always see in the films and on tv right that the first is it 24 and 48 hours are mad important and you kind of feel that being a soldier special forces as well Reva knows all of this shit so he is desperate and we see that desperateness hmm that's not a word that desperate desperization desperate that's not a word either but he's desperate yeah we'll, we'll settle on that right we see all of this and it's and this is some of the strengths of the film is the acting and relaying the emotions Ooh. now people do that extremely well right i don't know any of these actors you know they, they and they could be huge stars on the italian you know film scene right i don't know them but i will say that yeah they do a fantastic job really do a fantastic job of making these moments feel believable and real you know so i like the people that smash that snatched the kid you you yeah you get them right and, and you get what they're about you know they're desperate they're druggies they're crazy so that all jumps out at you and then this whole build up of the situation like this crazy build up you get it right you definitely get it now there's this thing with the police which you do kind of see coming right you do kind of see it coming to an extent and I would say I was probably surprised in the police's positioning. But then, if you're not dealing with that sort of case, I also get it. Because, you know, if you're dealing with, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, just purse snatchers and break-ins, you don't think that shit will escalate to the extent in which they do and oh shit it escalates right now in this hunt for his kid we do see reva take damage right we see him take damage and the great thing is the damage is always reflected on the screen you know so every time he then does something following that point He's either holding the the area, you know, it, it, his gait has changed. He's not running as far. You know, all of that has a toll, which 
is good. And we see the toll within the fights. Which, yeah, I very much enjoyed. Right? Because I think oftentimes in these films, we, we see these people and they're kicking ass all the way through to the same extent. No, not here. There is a fatigue on the character, which is fantastic. And as the film goes on as well, we also see more into, you know, the, the whole army situation. And there is a really good story arc that does play out with his son. You know, I, I'm curious. Yeah, that did hit me, man. Did hit me. God damn it. And it irritated it me that it hit me. Right? Because I'm just like, oh, whew. Yeah. Like, why is this affecting me so much, man? I don't have kids. I hate kids. Like, ugh. You know, you, you wonder, you check yourself. Am I broken? What is wrong with me? Get your emotions in check, man. Grr. But, um, yeah, no, that was, it was good. It was very good. And then, this, the whole thing with his daughter, right? So, there's moments when he's closer and everything like that. And these little things play out. And I enjoyed it, right? I enjoy, uh, even with once the, you know, the main bad guy comes into it, it's Moriarty, right, the way he's handling the situations, that's all believable, it makes sense, right, all of that makes sense, and the other thing I liked really was, I mean, there's times in films, right, and you see a fight scene, and one person will beat will get the, the jump on someone. And so you know later in the film, there's going to be another clash, right? Where the person gets revenge and it, this long played out fight scene and then the, our hero wins and it's like, yeah. This film does it so much more believable, right? Where now <laughs> you know the character has gone through so much so what are they gonna do right and so i liked the way those fights happened and yeah just everything played out i you know it's believable it does hit you on the emotional side of things right and even with the end you know, like, the thing that happens at the very end, I, there is a slight, I will say there's a slight disappointment, right? Because you do kind of be like, ah, man. But also, you're not that mad, right? You're not that mad that they played it like that because... I do feel that the other components that work around it, you know, they come together and they create this moment. And the moment works, right? All, all of these little moments, it works. And they don't end, end the film, you know, there's something is said and you think, oh, we're going to get that scene. And... I'm glad we do not. We don't get that scene. And the character, it plays out how it should. Let's just say that. It plays out how it should. 
and I was pleased, right? Because I think if you really cherry it on top end the film in that way, like it kind of, it would spoil everything, you know. So it, it needs a certain ending, and we do get that. We do. So yeah, that that was good. It I liked it. Yeah, I, I it surprised me, right? It's not a perfect film. Don't get me wrong, people. It isn't a perfect film, but but I think it did play out well, right now. Films that I thought it was probably similar to. There's there's a couple that probably jump out to me the most. So there's Extraction. You know, the Russo brothers put it together. It's a Netflix film too. Uh, and I, I think that's got similar tones. So I'd say if you enjoyed Extraction, you'd probably like this. I do hear that Musil is a, a kind of a tonally similar. Now, I haven't been able to watch Musil because it's foreign and it's subtitled, which is extremely irritating, you know? Because this is an Italian film and they dubbed it. So why don't you dub Musil, people? Urgh. Now, the other film, the other film which I feel the parallels are extremely strong with it, is um, the 2017, right, 2017 um, Lynn Ramsey film, yes, you know people, um, it's the, uh, you will, you were never really here, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's that film, and I really enjoyed that film, like, it's, it, it, it's, um, it's similar in the fact that some of the plot kind of works the same, right? We've got a, a an ex-soldier, PTSD, and they're on a mission to find a little girl, right? So, there is that. Now, some of the setup to those points are very different. Yes, that is true. That is true. But, right, I, I did feel the, you know, the, the character's journey and, um, you know, how they're going about things and all of that. I thought that was similar. Now, I will say, right, that um you were never you were never really here is the stronger of the two right is the stronger of the two and come on right it's directed by Lynn Ramsey is it's you know it's got Joaquin Phoenix in it so you know yeah but I will say that the beast is um you know it's a decent cousin of that film. So I'd say, look, if you enjoyed, you were never really here. I think you will like um, the Beast or La Bilva. Yeah. Now, as I said, look, it's not completely on the same level, but tonally, they're they're kind of there. 
right? So um, I would recommend it. You know, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix film. So uh, yeah, go uh, go check it out. I think you like it. And as I said, the performances are very strong. Performances are very strong, and. I did think that the way they portrayed the PTSD. Now, obviously, I've not had, um, you know, PTSD from war, so it might be different. But I kind of feel that the and when you learn more about what happened to him everything does make sense and you understand the actions right so I, I i think the construction of that part of the story yeah it comes across very well so um yeah people that's the beast or la bella go watch it go have fun <laughs> Okay, people, so we reached that time again. Uh, but before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. So, as um, in previous weeks, we've there's been movement on the release slate. Okay, so first up, Paramount Pictures are moving um, Rumble, right? It's um, a film they made with WWE Studios. So it was scheduled to come out on the 14th of May this year. Well, it was meant to come out last year, but it got moved to the 14th of May this year. They've decided to move it again. Right, I don't know if it's because of the other shifting films, but they pushed it all the way back to the 18th of February 2022. Yeah, so they've definitely moved it a while, right? Now, some other films that have been moved. So, uh, Godzilla v Kong. That's been shifted, but don't worry, people, not by much, right? So it was scheduled to come out on the 26th of March. It has now been moved to Wednesday, the 31st of March. Don't know why. Midweek is a bit of an odd one, but that's what they've done. And... Um, They've also moved Malignant, which is James Wan's new film, right? So, uh, yeah, that film will now be hitting on the 10th of September. Okay, also, um, Escape Room, right? They That's getting a sequel, so that will now be coming out on the 7th. Of January 2022 right and um, we've also got Joe Bell right so it was meant to come out on the 19th of February but uh, yeah it's been pushed back 
uh, no fixed date yet though so um, if you've been waiting for that one people you have to keep your eyes peeled <laughs> so um, other news RLJE Films have just picked up the rights to Prisoners of the Ghostland. So this is uh, the new film starring Nicolas Cage and Sophia Botelia. Right? It's a... I don't know, man. It's an odd one, right? So it's a mix of Western, Samurai and a post-apocalyptic thriller. Okay, so it's going to be making its premiere at Sundance, so that's when we get to have our first look at it, but it's said that Cage plays a ruthless bank robber sprung from jail by a wealthy warlord to find his missing adopted granddaughter. The robber is also strapped into a leather suit that will self-destruct within five days. Boom, boom. Oh my gosh Yeah, sounds a little crazy <laughs> So other new films coming Is, um, well, we've got one that is actually set On board the International Space Station I don't know if they will film up there Probably not, right? Uh, but that's where it's set So it's um, going to be starring Chris Messina And uh, Pilo Abs Azbak, right? Um, also in the film is um, John Gallagher Jr., Costa Ronin, and Masha Mashkovov, right? So um, Nick Shafir is writing the script, and Gabriella Kalpafuafis. Is um yeah directing it. Hmm. So as I said, look, it's set on board the International Space Station, and the act. It follows the action of six astronauts. Take um, they take after receiving distressing information from Earth that threatens their lives. So uh, there is that. Also, um, there's a, a film called um, Black Sight. Yes. So, Sophia Banks will be making her um, directorial debut with this one. Jinda Ho has written the script. And the story centers on a group of officers based in a labyrinth, top-secret CIA black site, who must fight their, for their lives in a cat-and-mouse game against infamous high-value detainee Hatchet, who has escaped and has a deadly agenda in mind. Bom, bom, bom. And the film will be starring Jay Courtney, Jason Clark, and Michelle Monabom. So I, I mean, I'm interested in that. Ain't gonna lie. Okay, so we know we have um, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis film that will be coming shortly. You know, which uh, kind of focuses on. 
Elvis's relationship with the Colonel Tom Parker. Well, in the film will be Little Richard and Alton Mason has been cast in that role. So uh, yeah, there is that. And it is also official that the, um, the Cannes Film Festival this year has been pushed back, right? So um, it will now be taking place on the 6th to the 17th of July. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Now, um, other news. Okay, so um, A24 have just picked up the rights to the Eternal Daughter. So, um, this is Joanna Hogg's new film, uh, which is starring Tilda Swinton. Okay, so, um, yeah, it follows a middle-aged daughter and her elderly mother who must confront long-buried secrets when they return to their former family home turned a vacant hotel. Hmm. Okay, so in other news, people, yes, there is always other news. Okay, so um, Corey Hawkins He's just landed a starring role in a Last Voyage of the Dementor. Aha, uh-huh. yes. Now, you might think, why does that seem to sound familiar? Well, it's kind of taken from, inspired by, some might say, you know, a passage within Bran Stoker's Dracula. Okay, so a, a a Russian schooner vessel named after the Greek goddess transports Dracula's coffin from Carthia to London. So um, yeah. Okay, so it's a it's a seafaring horror, and um, Zach Olowicz will be uh, writing the script. Okay, so um, Andre. Overdell will be directing it, and you have Bradley Fisher, Mike Medavoy, and Andrew Messer producing the piece. So, that yeah, could be interesting, alright? Now, I think it is something that's been floating around for the last few weeks. And I think it's something that most people suspected, but it is now official. You know, yeah, Robert Rodriguez is um, bringing back Spy Kids. So he's going to reboot the whole franchise, and it's at Skydance Media and Spyglass Media. So, um, yeah, you know. They've, yeah, they held the right, so yeah, they've decided to um, get back into it, alright, so um, yeah, it's, so it's not going to be a sequel, it's a reimagining that, uh, you know, revolves around the activities of a multicultural family involved in the world of espionage, hmm, <laughs> 
And um, now this is very interesting, people. So, you know, a few years back, they, you know, they brought back Tomb Raider to the world of film. And although Alicia, you know, Vikander, she's not a bad Lara Croft, right? I mean, definitely better than Angelina Jolie. But the film itself was still, yeah, not great. But there's going to be a sequel. So we knew that. Now, they have just tasked Misha Green with um, bringing that film to life. Yeah. You know, Misha Green, who's um, behind Underground and the magnificent Lovecraft Country. She will be making her directorial debut with um, this Tomb Raider sequel. So, ha, ha, ha. And um, they've also uh, allowing her to write it as well. So we can expect some of that great writing that we saw on Lovecraft Country to um, bring Lara Croft, I'd say, to justice. You know, we'll be able to see her at her full strength because, hey, Green wrote some very strong female characters in Lovecraft Country. You know, and um, you know, Green says that she's a you know a fan of the, uh, the the game franchise, and her favorite games have been um, Tomb Raider Legend, you know, of the past, and in the current era, she says it's Rise of the Tomb Raider and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So I'd imagine we we can see some. Um, inspiration in the script from those films and finally people so disney have revealed all the launch titles for the um the star you know tile when that launches at the end of february haha i know i am very intrigued people i am very in Treat. So there'll be certain things that don't cross over because they've already got deals. But, and there's a lot of films, so I'm not going to talk about them all. But some of the big ones um, that will be, uh, you know, coming are uh, right, Arachnophobia, Australia. Okay, so you got those. Um, You've got the uh, the badass films, you know. Um, we've also got bad times at the El Royale. Okay, we've got a um, bell. Uh, so the best exotic marigold hotel, right? Billy Bathgate, which I remember that being good, right? Boys don't cry, Braveheart. Okay, bringing out the dead, broke down a palace. Uh, so you got brown sugar, which was um, I did like brown sugar, right? We're uh, getting um, oh gosh, what are we getting? We're getting oh the clearing Cleopatra cocoon <laughs> cocktail, right? 
uh, The Color of Money. Some classics, people. Commando, right? Commando. Confetti, uh, which is very good. Con Air. Conan the Barbarian, right? Crimson Tide, Crazy Beautiful, The Crucible. You know, we're getting um, Damien, The Omen 2. Um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Well, basically, the old, the original Planet of the Apes films and the new Planet of the Apes films. We're getting uh, Die Hard, Deadpool, those films, Dead Presidents, Deep Rising. I know, right? Some very good films, people. Some very good films, which is, uh, you know, great. Um, so, also, we get uh, things like Enemy of the State, right? Far from the Madden Crowd, the newest version. You know, The Fly. You know, those films. Um, from Hell. The French Connection, both of those. Gentlemen Broncos. Uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. The Great White Hype. Gross Point Blank. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. High fidelity, people. I Heart Huckabee. Uh, Jennifer's Body. Just married, you know. We uh, then uh, get it. Taxi. Actually, that's not the original Taxi. Ah, for a minute, I was like, "Ooh, there's something about Mary." The Thin Red Line, The Three Stooges, Tombstone. Yeah, a lot of very good films. Waiting to Exhale, Waitress. So, um, the way, way back, people. So, yeah, a lot of stuff to look forward to, people. Um, so, yeah, going to end on that one. And that will be dropping on the 23rd of February. But, people, that's that. We're at the end. So, we will see you next Thursday. Enjoy your film watching. Peace.